0: And welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Amon. You can call me H. And joining me today is not Q, who is moving across the country again. Like I can't get enough of his cross-country moves. I, I tell him, "You really got to stop doing this." But uh, the spirit of adventure calls for him. You know, he's uh, he's out there fording rivers and catching dysentery, and uh, and he loves it. He loves it every step of the way. So, um, in his stead today, we have from the Canaan Rinse podcast, Mr. Brian Edwards.
1: Hello, Ryan. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm not a not a good sub- substitute for Q, but I will do the best I can <laughs> to uh, to not contract cholera and sink my wagon in the river along the way of this podcast. So, thank you for having me.
0: I mean, if anything, that would. Give you a really strong narrative to tell.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the the uh, I, I, you know, all I did was go on the playwright podcast, and all I got was this lousy case of cholera, <laughs> type of type of situation. No, I'm thrilled to be here. Big fan of the show. I've been listening for a long time, and and um, yeah, I'm just I'm happy to have the opportunity to come on. Well, thank you.
0: Um, I guess just to give our audiences some familiarity with you, let's get like a general like a really brief, who are you? And then like, what kinds of games do you typically like to play? What is your like base of inspiration you're drawing from?
1: Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. So I'm uh, in my mid thirties from Western New York. Um, I've been playing games basically since I can remember Uh, playing games. My my parents had an Atari 2600 before I was born. And, and that's kind of where I'm at. Um, as far as now, what type of games I play, is uh i'm kind of i kind of so, someone who who's always looking for something a little bit different um i guess you could say my baselines probably your uh you know open world action adventure games are kind of my thing I, if uh if we joke a lot about favorite games of all time which is kind of very difficult to narrow down but you could throw things like your legend of zelda Ocarina of the times and your horizon mm-hmm. zero dawns on there and um but also i am currently um playing death stranding and i'm 35 hours into my role as a fantasy ups delivery man and i'm loving every minute of that too so um so yeah i kind of kind of have an eclectic taste uh for games i i I think um uh first for anybody who who kind of gets involved in any of this type of stuff podcasting and talking about games uh, you you find yourself kind of drawn and inspired to try out different things because you hear other people so frequently talk so enthusiastically about the things they like so i've definitely got more My tastes are getting wider as I get older, which is kind of nice, so.
0: I guess as we get into the video game pitches here, we always like to give the... The guests the opportunity to true to choose. Would you like to? Uh, do you have something that's kind of bubbling up, and you would like to get out right away, or would you like to kind of go second and get a feel for how it goes? No, I
1: I'd, I'd, I'd love to go first. Um, I've been thinking right. about, yeah, thinking about most uh, of the day.
0: Let's have at it then.
1: All right. So um, my idea was uh, as someone who's recently started playing the Yakuza games, um, I started with Yakuza Zero, and there's this entrance where Majima is introduced to the to the player, and he is the manager of a nightclub, and that's all we really know about him. And it got me thinking kind of about a game where you would be the manager of a nightclub, the manager of a bar or restaurant, but specifically, this bar or restaurant is the hangout for the local bad guys, whether it be, Mm. you can think of uh, Majima Goro's club from Yakuza, or even... The, the bar from, or the, the Italian restaurant from Goodfellas where all the guys uh, take their wives on one night and then their girlfriends on the other nights <coughs> for dinner and entertainment um, in that movie. But basically, you're going to play uh, for, in, in this idea I had as the manager of that establishment and kind of seeing uh, and, and managing your business almost in a... Uh, the way I had kind of thought about it is almost, you know, Yakuza meets lemonade stand (laughs) in a lot of ways where um, you'd be doing things like you'd be setting the menu and picking the entertainment and trying to draw in a certain amount of the shady element that also has the money.
0: So let's go ahead and start the clock there. What this makes me think of immediately is kind of the risk reward of attracting the right kind of criminals. Okay. And um, maybe discouraging the types of behavior. You know, I, I think about like there are certain places within fiction, like the oh gosh, I'm not remembering the name now. The the kind of safe haven in the John Wick films.
1: Oh, this, oh uh, the oh, the hotel. hotel. Yeah, I can't remember that <laughs> right. either. Yeah, we're we're we're, we're um, people are definitely not shouting right now as they're hearing us. Yeah, so it's, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it is it's this kind of like revered space, which mm. is um, which is really interesting, and it definitely seems to be the type of place where obviously you know things go down as the narrative of those movies yeah. unfold. But, um, it's, you know, for all intents and purposes, day to day, it's a, a lot of money coming in without any of the expense of, uh, the risk that criminals bring to it, bringing it under on the flip side. I always think about the, um, the Italian restaurant from, uh, the Godfather, the first Godfather film mm-hmm. where Michael takes out the, um, the, uh, a uh, guy who's uh, selling drugs, and then the crooked captain as well, and um, you know the the type of restaurant that would be used as a place to, I guess, low key uh, dispose of people uh, take rather care, than take care of business. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I hadn't so, thought
1: about that. That's interesting. Is um, is yeah. there a
0: sense of like working your way up? Is there a sense of uh, you know how do you how do you attract? the right type of like lucrative under the table business and discourage the type of um, bloody business.
1: See, that's that I like, I like the idea of that. Um, I mean, you might, might start as like that restaurant. I mean, not that specific one, but thinking of the Godfather mm-hmm. start as kind of the dive where the dirty business takes place and you're, and you've got to kind of build your way up kind of like a, a rags to riches story of, you know, uh, you know, attracting the right type of criminal to your establishment. Diner Dash and even in a certain case, Overcooked, where you'd have these segments where, uh, you know, business would be taking place or the meal would be getting cooked. and You kind of get this rating at the end of it. In in this instance, you could almost see that as, you know, you're setting up the menu and trying to, you know, advertise or spend money in these different areas to attract the right clientele. And if there's a murder at your store that night, maybe uh, maybe you get a C, you know, but if you manage to just only have some light extortion (laughs) take place or something like that. As the narrative progresses, you could you could even see that you know your establishment you get get bigger. You can pay for some nicer floors, some nicer nicer light fixtures. I think that's a mm-hmm. cool idea.
0: Yeah, I, I think kind of upscaling the place is, is a way to yeah. um, to attract the right type of criminal. That seems pretty straightforward. But um, also, let's think about um, about snitching. And, uh, the associated stitching that yep, would uh, occasionally take place as the adage so, goes, <laughs> you know, if you have really high risk, uh, villains coming in, villains mm. feel like such a romantic word for our criminals. Yeah. Uh, somebody who would be like played by Nick cage in a movie, okay. you know, somebody who's loud and brash mm-hmm. and out there and violent and unpredictable. Like, you know, maybe, maybe he's somebody you go into the back room and you call the police on him to try to like, Get him out, and you okay. know he's he's scaring away the the better customers. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you gain a reputation of calling the police, or if the police end up showing up a little bit more than they're supposed to, then you know maybe that's uh maybe that's not uh, desirable. Yeah, and the so, tracks you know, Maybe there's other ways yeah. around that. Maybe you can make people disappear through your own criminal connections. But then you're you know, kind of in, in the mud as well. And maybe you want to keep your hands clean. So I don't know if there's balancing acts to be done there.
1: Oh, I think that's a good, I think that's really neat because then you could even, uh, um, uh, have, I don't want to call them, a, a police and crime meter or, um, or like even like a, like a paragon renegade type style, but I imagine like a, like like a few different bars at the bottom of the screen, you know, you're blue for the police, you're red for the, for the criminal and maybe, maybe another one, but maybe spending some of your money from the, uh, from from, from your take in order to to bribe some mm. uh some uh crooked policeman to maybe look the other way <laughs> like you know if uh maybe maybe pay for some body disposal service if necessary yeah I didn't you know what when I when I came up with this idea I didn't think of it as a, as dark as it is but it's almost like um the GTA <laughs> Chinatown wars um, like you're setting mm. up your drug network type of thing where you could kind of right. as you expand that Empire as you expand what you're doing you're you're you have to balance the relationships that you have with the authorities the imp- Proper authorities and the criminal element. So yeah, when you when you said that, um, I immediately thought of uh, kind of like a a, a top down, almost um, uh, like a CRPG kind of point of view where you could see the restaurant, but then you could also see the little hallway with the steps going to the room that that doesn't have any windows and has a drain in the middle of the floor. <laughs> you know, like that mm-hmm. room and 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 kind of building out your um your restaurant or your you know your establishment in almost like a um. Like guess like, even in a, like a sim tower or sim city type of way, It's kind of building up around around that. That's a, I never re- quite thought of it as a as a management sim like that, but that's kind of what the, you could, I could kind of envision it turning into. That
0: there's uh, there's another game, and I've I've never played it, but I've been kind of acquainted with it, and I'm uh, a fan of the premises, anyways uh, premise rather <laughs> of serial uh, cleaner. It is a
1: yes. game in
0: which you play somebody who's there to clean up after a like a, either like a bloody gunfight or a murder or something that takes place and you're there to just kind of under a strict time limit before the cops arrive uh to make it seem like nothing ever happened in this place and um i wonder if there's uh mini games you could play you know i i hesitate to get too wacky with this but <laughs> um you know the more elements that you incorporate
1: i think the wackier the better might serve it because i think if if we it if you'd take it at face value as what it's doing it could be if it's too realistic i think it could be a little bit of a downer like you know what i mean like hmm. i don't want to encourage it being a you know a good time extortion racket criminal element but i also <laughs> you know if it's if it's too true to life it might be a little disturbing but i hadn't thought about that i do like the idea of a good of a good mini game in any way, shape, or form, even something to the effect of where you can like different mini games, maybe in the style of uh, of bully or something like that, where if you're you know preparing the menu for the night, you could you know there'd be a kitchen style mini game where you'd get a, a rating at the end of that mini game that would determine the quality of the food that came out that evening. Maybe mm-hmm. if you have a band as the entertainment for that night, you could have you know a dancing mini game or something like that, and then even um, for like maybe disposing of rowdy patrons you could even have like almost like a dialogue uh, skill check type of mini game where if you pick the right way responses maybe you could talk them down or can, you know convince them to leave rather than them busting up mm. your nice chandeliers you just spent your hard-earned money on or something like that I love, I love the idea of a, of a, of a management game. Anyway, I like, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty all in on your, on your stardew valleys, your harvest moons and, and things Mm -hmm. like that. So I I like the idea of if you introduce some of those mini games, like you talk about along with that management sim, and then kind of the seedier element of it too. It could, could, you could kind of hit a few different bases with the same, with the same game. That'd be kind of fun.
0: One of the things I like about mafia movies and literature and stuff is it's all about the, the family loyalties and, and of choosing where to put your trust and your money and your time and your effort, you know, because the family that's on top one day might be completely underwater the next, uh, maybe literally in some cases. <laughs> and um, it's, you know, it would be interesting if you, you know, obviously you have a limited supply of money, you kind of want to put on the best performance for the uh, high-ranking officials in a certain uh, mafia or whatever it is when they come rolling in. Maybe you choose the wrong family, they end up getting kind of taken out, and then all of a sudden you just wasted a bunch of money, you're understaffed and undersupplied because the uh, long-term investment that you uh, were expecting didn't end up
1: paying out so yeah you might even end up playing uh, taking that point even further playing one family against another if you could yeah, see yeah. kind of the trends of you know what family maybe is gaining more territory maybe maybe your court those you know underbosses and hopes that the don walks in your restaurant some nights and you know gets bottle service for his vip suite or something yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a no that's that's <clears throat> that's a cool idea with the the competing families i think of the um like you said from the mafia game well mafia literature in general but even like in your your Grand Theft Auto, San Andreas's of the world where you kind of you kind of see that map of the city with the highlighted colors and, you know, the overlapping and what areas are warring for territory, maybe even your restaurant or you could even pick locations based on that. You know, we're going to move the establishment into this territory because we're going to focus on this family. That could be yeah, that could add another element of kind of switching it all around, too.
0: Right, we're uh, we're out of time on that one. We've reached our ten minutes, and so we have to close it down. That ten, those
1: that goes fast. It I does. Not it does expe- fly right. Yeah, away. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> uh, we have to close it down and come up with a name. Before um, we talked about all this, I I hadn't really come up with a name, but um, I like I like the name uh the joint maybe or you <laughs> know the uh, I I uh, not the hangout. That's a little too on the nose, but I like something with the term joint. I'm not sure.
0: I was also thinking of. And this is maybe a little bit too many steps down the trail, but Dawn, like the Dawn of a Mafia, Dawn apetit. <laughs> you
1: know, that's the name. Don Appetite. I think that is, you know what, if we're and, and going back to what we were talking about before, like if you're going to try to toe that comical line with it, I think that mm. that sells the image right there because you're automatically going into the game Don Appetite. Like I go into that game with a smile on my face just before <laughs> I even hit start. So, yeah, that's perfect.
0: All right, cool. Catch him off guard with all the really dark stuff. Then <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's go on to my pitch for today. Um, I, I really enjoy doing karaoke And my partner is kind of so-so on it, and it's been so long since I've been able to convince her to actually, like, go do karaoke with me. (laughs) Okay. When I was there, it was just, it's so much fun uh, to just, you know, push your own limits because mm-hmm. some days you have like real off days where you're having a hard time kind of hitting the notes and you just kind of end up falling into a lower register where it's a little bit safer. You're not taking that many risks. Yeah,
1: I live and I live in days, that low register, mm-hmm. no risk zone. That's where, <laughs> that's where I tend to operate in uh, karaoke.
0: And some days like you're feeling good about yourself, whether you've had enough to drink or whether you are actually <laughs> more capable at singing that particular evening. And uh, you see those, those high notes come in. You see those risky notes and uh, those ones that are a real kind of just jab in a certain direction and you just kind of cross your fingers, hope they hit, and uh, you go for them. So simultaneously, I've been playing over the past week or so Disco Elysium. Oh, nice. Uh, which is a uh, CRPG, as we mentioned earlier, which is uh, you play a detective set in a set in a kind of dystopic type of world, um, trying to solve a murder mystery while also trying to uncover some details about your own past. Um, And uh, that one plays out under really kind of like interesting Dungeons and Dragons type rules of dice rolls and um, skill checks and that kind of thing. And so I was thinking of kind of combining the two. What would it look like if you had a CRPG style karaoke game with stat checks and dice rolls and upgradable stats and such, you know, I, I, I wonder if, um, if that level of risk taking and, and and choice making on the fly could be applied to something so musical. So let's let's start the clock and see if we're, if we can take that anywhere.
1: I love the idea of some rng karaoke Uh, i'm already (laughs) thinking of like you taking an underleveled character into the karaoke joint and i keep saying joint now um into the karaoke place (laughs) going for that high note knowing you have just the slightest chance of hitting it but you know you pass Mm -hmm. that skill check and you you know you roll the 10 and you get it that's that is um that's an interesting idea. I think that you could really branch that out. Now, when when you were thinking about the the karaoke game, would were you thinking of it like from a point of view of like taking place in in the one karaoke spot, or or maybe would this be kind of a a, a tour of like the the karaoke places around your city, where your character might have to get good enough to then graduate to the next and on to the next?
0: Yeah, possibly. You know, I I was thinking about what are the risk reward. Aspects of uh, of karaoke, you mm-hmm. know, if you lose an encounter, so to speak, uh, I, I really like in Disco Elysium mm-hmm. that when you end up losing certain stat checks, it has a negative effect against either your health, which if that is reduced to zero, then your uh, character just has a heart attack and dies. Huh. Okay. And so, you know, any kind of strenuous activity is being checked against your physical stats mm. Uh, and then uh, can potentially subtract from your uh, potentially only one health point if you've not chosen to invest in that. Um, Similarly, there's a mental stat uh, that kind of shows your mental resiliency and you can check against that. And if you uh, don't succeed, then your character gets really depressed. Um,
1: I ended up not
0: to get too off track. I, uh, um, I had a situation in disco Elysium where there was a young girl standing in front of a, a um, bookshop and she was very interested in detective literature. And so I said to her like, Hey, I'm a detective. And she's like, Oh, that's great. You know, um, could you do something about me using your detective skills? And I had a very high chance of passing <laughs> it, but I still, I rolled the stat check and it ended up coming out at a loss and my character just ended up saying like, ah, uh, well, you're very small. <laughs> that moment was so embarrassing for him. He got so depressed that he ended up quitting the police force. And I got this nice kind of like newspaper printout, detective quits police force. And it got a, a very well-deserved game over.
1: Oh, that's funny. That's um, I can <laughs> see that I, I'm not not lifting it directly from Disco Elysium, but I could see that applying to this game completely
0: yeah you have different levels of like confidence yeah yeah uh, confidence maybe then,
1: maybe like a your instead of luck maybe it's a charisma or like a you yeah, know uh, yeah <laughs> and then you i mean you could have like a pure raw singing talent i kind of see as like mm-hmm. your like your strength equivalent you know what i mean like like if you're gonna br- like you know just be the tank your way through just bash your head against everything you could just put all your points into singing talent and just get by on that you know maybe your uh your your um uh, improv- improvisation skills.
0: I think there's different types of talent in, uh, in singing as well. You know, you get the, the people who are just like very crisp and can just hit the exact right note, you know, okay. the Bruno Mars type where it's mm-hmm. like, that's, that's incredible with how like precise you're being in, yeah. in here. And then there's the type who aren't as precise, but have just like, the raw kind of kick-ass power behind mm-hmm. their voice, yeah. you know, the Joan Jet type, absolutely. Where it's just like you can sing the the doors off of a van, you know. It's <laughs> like you can you can shatter windows with your voice, absolutely. If you, want to. Yeah. you have that that raw power there, and it and the um the sheer kind of confidence and power can kind of over uh, can can compensate for maybe you know um, warming up to a note rather than hitting it right, right. off, right? Yeah, uh, and then you get the people who can't really sing well but have the the flair uh, yeah, <laughs> to do the the whole lounge act or whatever, absolutely, and then that can be just as entertaining.
1: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say too. Is that we definitely have to have you have to have not have to, but I would suggest in this game we have a way to spect your character in a way to where you're the mm-hmm. person that cannot sing very well, but boy, everybody just loves <laughs> when you take the mic. You're 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 uh, um you're William Hungs of the world, uh mind you. Yeah, you're, you're people that <laughs> like you're watching the performance. You could care less about the voice talent. Yeah, there's 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 um there's room for nuance there, right? I think like you could really, (laughs) you could really get granular with it. I also like the idea as we're talking about these stat checks. Different um, substances you could perhaps imbibe in, changing <laughs> your stats pre-song. Like you know, kind of per- like a
0: after-party which uh, just came absolutely, out
1: recently. Yeah, if you have if you have let's say a vodka tonic before going on, your singing skill might go down, but your charisma might go up. Or you know, or you could also you could you could different different stat checks based on consumables. Um, hmm. or 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 perhaps you could there's there's a threshold to where if you have a certain amount it will be beneficial but then if you then cross over a line perhaps you get a significant stat drop off so there could be some risk reward there
0: i think it'd be more interesting if instead of a straight drop off it could be like it could just get ultra risky where you can either like win big a very Uh, low percentage of the time or you could like really you know, really tank a performance quickly. Yeah,
1: the, the old, the old. I'm going to have nine beers and then sing "Let It Go" from Frozen, and you think it's going to go over and great? It might be perfect. Yes, it and might you be. never know
0: because <laughs> since it is a complete dice roll at that point, yeah. <laughs> it might be the best performance anyone's ever yeah, made. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I also, and this is not not to go too far down the inebriation path, but mm. I also like the idea of of your character coming off stage thinking that you have just nailed it. And then the crowd just letting you know that you just specifically did not nail that, you know, that you were operating on bravado and not much else.
0: Yeah. If, um, if, the level of inebriation also decreased the amount of feedback that you are getting kind of mid-performance. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so you're not able to kind of manually course correct like you would if, uh, if you went into it more sober.
1: I get the idea of like during your performance, maybe if you would look out in the crowd and you would see either thought bubbles come out of people's heads, almost sim style with like emojis, mm-hmm. you know, like the smiley face or like musical notes or, you know, the, the classic, you know, puke emoji or whatever. But if you were too inebriated, those would just be kind of like a faint haze. So you couldn't really tell mm-hmm. if what, what response you're getting. I think that could be a, a really good time.
0: Or in a lot of the um, kind of Korean and Japanese karaoke bars, they have scoring that's built into the system itself. Okay. Kind of like a, playing a game of rock band, you know, they have, yeah. uh, they kind of track how well you do. And then they, um, they have kind of on screen visuals that change as you do better or worse. But, um, you know, one thing I was thinking is that if this game is kind of built around the singing, which makes sense. I feel like that is kind of like an RPG that is all random encounter battles. You know, I feel like there has to be more to the game, more of your character's life that you're living. And I want it all kind of feedback to the, um, to the singing. Cause okay. I feel like that's kind of a funny thing as well. Yeah. Like everything that you do in your life is in service of this one particular thing. know, <laughs> it's yeah. like a, like Pokemon or something where like these characters are, all they do and think yeah. about and the world that they live in is all built around battling. Yeah. You Pokemon go to the, you them. go to
1: the store during the day and there's just people having sing offs on the street and everybody's talking yeah, about, yeah. you know, what outfit they're going to yeah. wear that night. <laughs> that's, that's the other thing I was going to uh, bring up too. It, it, in service of that. Would you see your character as this karaoke hero or whoever we're going to uh your protagonist? Would they have a daily life? Would they have like a run of the mill day job and you know, they're daydreaming of karaoke or are we specifically focusing on the, uh, on on the time at the karaoke place
0: yeah you know i think there i think there should be something outside of the singing um whether that is just your character's social life like i you know i i don't want it to get too mundane Mm -hmm. um i don't want it to be like a job simulator necessarily or like a cart life type thing where you're just trying to struggle struggling to get by you know i i think that like karaoke is something that people do because they have an abundance of wealth and free time already and like (laughs) i want to keep it kind of like light and airy (laughs) but uh, I, I like the idea can, like, of it having some sort of a story around
1: it. Right. Yeah. I like the idea of having a narrative, but the narrative isn't like the grandiose. This person's going to get discovered yeah. and like become a superstar. <laughs> it's just like, you know, they're, they're going to be just like, like the, the talk of the town karaoke wise, you know, they're going to get the, you know, their, their name's going to be on the flyer one night. And that's like, you know, they, the name, their name gets put on the flyer for karaoke and it's roll credits, that type of thing. You know, they just want mm. that, that local notoriety just to be known as like the person, person for karaoke
0: or maybe there's like a retired rock star in the town you know like a Ronnie James Dio or somebody that's like kind of beyond his prime mm-hmm. and is just kind of like now is like tending a library or something just you know <laughs> happy in his retirement yeah. uh-huh. and everyone is always like oh man it would be great if he could like come out and sing again and um and then like maybe it kind of all culminates in you gaining the notoriety to kind of like challenge this old god of rock yeah or whatever.
1: yeah you you know you gain enough you gain enough street cred that you you he can't help himself but to put down the books in his personal library for one <laughs> night to come out for one last showdown i like that idea quite a bit And and seeing how the town reacts or I'm I'm picturing it as a city, but it could be anything, you know, seeing how the community surrounding the karaoke reacts to your rise or fall that they're like, you know, um, could really impact how you interact with all those characters in the world. That could that could that could create some interesting, you know, both stat check conversation stuff, but also just some interesting relationship building opportunities within that world. That's kind of neat. All
0: right, we're at the ten minutes, so let's uh, let's end that one and come up with a name for it. Okay. Did you have
1: anything in mind?
0: Not necessarily, although I feel like making puns off of karaoke is <laughs> going to be
1: not too difficult. If it was going to be a uh, a a a protagonist where you couldn't pick your gender, I was going to call it Gary and we just may name the protagonist <laughs> Gary and go with that. That was that was my my brilliant idea I had, Ryan. So I'm sure I that you couldn't possibly top think That's funny because
0: we up. we touched on Pokemon earlier and. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. Famously, the the rival from the original run of Pokemon's was named Gary. Gary
1: oak yeah, yeah. So, Oh boy, yeah. I didn't I didn't even make that connection on purpose, but I, I'll pretend that I did. You know, you'll you'll edit this part out, right? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Gary oak <laughs> Yeah, Gary. I like it. Okay. <laughs>
0: this could be a, a legitimate Pokemon spinoff.
1: Oh yeah, I would I would play the hell out of that game.
0: We can reuse all the assets topical humor that'll be dated in the two weeks that this is published (laughs) nobody's gonna care about that anymore no they won't all right uh let's go over to our community now and see what they have in store for us these are not things that i've read beforehand so this is going to be as new to me as it is to you this one comes from ashton herman uh, a good friend of the show who writes in says hi h and q well Halfway there, anyways.
1: I'm sorry, I'm a pale imitation, Ashton, <laughs> but uh, but I hope I do you proud.
0: I've been mulling over a new pitch for you over the last couple weeks, and I think I've got something that could be fun. Back in the OG Xbox days, my friends and I really got into Splinter Cell, Pandora Tomorrows, and later Chaos Theories, Multiplayer. For those who may not be familiar, the multiplayer mode was an asymmetrical Spies versus Mercs mode. Two players played as the first-person mercenaries armed with a range of defensive gadgets and a powerful automatic rifle. Spies played in third-person all of Splinter Cell's single-player campaigns and had gadgets to help them distract mercs, but very few final solutions. Their only fatal attack was a neck snap that could also be performed if you were able to successfully sneak up behind the merc and grab them. Spies were tasked with accomplishing several objectives on each map. Disarm a bomb, hack a computer, etc. Mercs were just tasked with defending those objectives until the end of the round. The series tried iterating on this multiplayer component, but I understand that latter attempts were never very well received, and I stopped playing the series after Double Agent. So here's my pitch. A similar spies versus mercenaries mode, but for symmetrical teams, up to four players each, two spies and two mercs. The basic objectives are the same except that each team is playing both offense and defense. Maybe the players on each team even share a pool of resources, e.g. money to buy gadgets or lives. In order for the gameplay to function as it did in Splinter Cell, I'd imagine you'd have to design each map in such a way that mercenaries could never encounter other mercs and spies could never encounter other spies. I'm imagining that each team controls a base or compound and that the spies automatically spawn near an entrance to the enemies while mercs spawn within their own. That said, I think you could have some fun. In, with intel gathering. Maybe spies could hack a computer that could that would uh, briefly give their team's mercs the positions of enemy spies on their mini-maps, for example. Anyway, can't wait to see what you guys come up with for this one. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. And let's go ahead and start the clock there. I think I'll begin by asking, uh, how familiar are you with the Spies versus Mercs minigames?
1: Um, not that familiar, although I did play both those games. Um, we didn't, mm. mean my friends, uh, my friend who had an original Xbox at the time, we didn't get too into the multiplayer with those. So we played a lot of the campaign, but not super familiar with the multiplayer.
0: Okay, I'm kind of in the same boat. <laughs> I think yeah. I I understand the general concept. Um, The mercs were in first person and would play kind of as a standard shooter, whereas the spies would be in third person and kind of Arkham Asylum their way around.
1: I like what Ashton said about uh, perhaps having like a like a collective bank of resources. And it got me thinking um, in terms of Gears of War, particularly Gears of War 4 and 5, where the the players, whether whatever side you were on, um, excuse me, in the horde mode, you're playing all on the COG team, you'd have a certain currency and you could pool it together to build defensive gadgets for, let's say, you know, to, you know, machine turret gun or, or, or walls or fences or whatever. So in this mode, I was kind of thinking that it the spies and mercs would both be kind of collecting resources and then funneling it back to their bank to then provide resources for the others so maybe the mercs Mm -hmm. provide the 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 resources that the spies need to create new gadgets and the other way around so that way it's it's always one hand kind of scratching the other in that mode
0: yeah okay so um a a few weeks back um q and i had a pitch that was kind of like a golden eye type thing. Okay. But there was one player that was playing as kind of a, a little robot that you would oh, move. Oh yeah. Around yeah I listened to that. And mm-hmm. you could basically feed your gun into that to upgrade it. <laughs> yep. Um, but while it's being upgraded or 3d printed, whatever it takes to get your uh, weaponry to the next level so that you can like really, um, have more impact and power in these confrontations when they happen, you were left defenseless. And so I really like trust between players when there's a level of having to disarm yourself to better arm your opponent. If we can, yeah, if we can have some sort of a push-pull type mechanic without necessarily having them have to occupy the same space.
1: Yeah, especially like if you're on the spy side and you have to give up, you know, your your tools and kind of maybe even expose yourself mm-hmm. a little bit, really putting yourself at risk. But that, I mean, but for the greater good of the team, that, that type of risk reward scenario could be very interesting.
0: Maybe there's a maybe there's like a wire that runs between the two of them and it can okay. extend for as long as you needed to, but it shares power. Um, okay. Maybe it yep, draws yep. from s- the, the tools that they need to operate draw so much power and When you are powered on, then your um, compatriot is powered off and has to kind of like almost blindly shuffle around, you know, to the point where like you're at such a disadvantage if you meet somebody who is powered on at the time.
1: Okay. Yeah. So you're kind of sharing like a combined energy bank. You know, like so so each maybe each side, whoever you're tied to your compatriot there, each one of your powers takes a certain amount of energy. So it might be possible Mm -hmm. for you guys to maybe to each person to have, you know, like, oh, I can equip my night vision goggles and you can do this at the same time. But if I do my night vision goggles and I'm hacking a camera, Mm -hmm. you're kind of exposed, you know. So that feedback um, between the two and striking that balance for each individual scenario, that could create some pretty unique multiplayer uh, uh, encounters there, I I think.
0: This also makes me think of the really unique um, gameplay loop that is Five Nights at Freddy's, where you are, uh, your only real defense is to kind of monitor these animatronics by peeking in at where they currently stand in um, using different CCTV cameras Mm -hmm. scattered all throughout this restaurant and you know, you have to kind of switch between the monitors, and so you can't be watching all of them at once. You have to choose, but it's about you know, do you uh, do you kind of rapidly hop between them so you kind of always know where everyone is, or do you spend more time focusing on one in particular to kind of okay. lock it in yeah. place? Um, and and so maybe you know, maybe as you are switching off between night vision and a and uh, the other character has maybe a radar that you can use to detect like the general like location or direction of an enemy like do you switch between them quickly never get a very good look but always have like somewhat of an idea or do you kind of put all your eggs in one basket
1: so then i mean that could really put you in a situation where depending on the skill set of each player like you might be able to spec one way knowing that you have a merc Mm -hmm. on your team that is just you know You know, that one person just super good at at this one skill set. So, you know, you're going to put your eggs in his basket when the other players might kind of tandem up to to kind of help the others by monitoring other player position or trying to hack into their cameras or to or to to gain intel. Like, like Ashton said, I think it'd be really neat if on top of all that, if you were to add some type of communication jamming system, if you were able to, say, invest some power or find a I don't know, it seems like cheesy sci-fi movie but like a like a frequency jammer or one of those things to where mm-hmm. like you could just temporarily cut the other team's lines of communication and that could really end up disrupting because if because if in this scenario where com, you're relying so much on knowing what the other side is doing if the other team is able to kind of like sever that even if just for a moment it might be enough to send the other team into some disarray
0: one of the things i've always been really interested in and it's an idea that we played with in a really early player eight episode. I'm not going to be able to find the exact one, but it was one that involved kind of mech combat okay. in a way. Um I've I've never seen a game do this before, but if you are able to not only kind of hack into your enemy's comm system, but in a way imitate them, okay. so it can make it seem like their ally is sending them a message when really that message is coming from the enemy trying to lure you into a trap.
1: Like if these communications are coming in via like screen prompts or like, you know, mm-hmm. windows that yeah. pop up on screen, if just a prompt comes up that says, you know, um, enemy in the southeast corner of map and then you mm-hmm. basically are just luring somebody into an area where you're baiting them for a trap, that could be like if we're cutting, cutting down to the spy gameplay of it, I feel that's even more true to what Ashton described as him and his friends playing when they were mm-hmm. younger, like that. That really is focusing on on a little bit more of the spy mechanic than the Merc mechanic, which I kind of feel was the spirit of the idea to begin with. So that'd that'd be really fun. Um, you could you could set up these elaborate traps or I imagine kind of like these spy versus spy scenarios where you, you kind of flash some communication that that sends the other t- team into kind of like a, a conundrum. And then all of a sudden, you know, the the big mm. bomb with the the long fuse drops in the middle of the room and, you know, takes them all out.
0: Or if you determine that you're coming up on the room that one of the enemies is in the, the Merc, for mm-hmm. instance, uh, then you can hack into their comm system pretend you are the spy and say I think I see something I need all the power for my night vision oh yeah Get the merc to send the power away <laughs> and then all of a sudden like they're a sitting duck you can just walk in and they're not going to see it coming
1: yeah that's some that's some next level spy thinking there Ryan I think that <laughs> if you may have a future in that if, if, if you so choose they uh, I love the idea of that because I find that competitive multiplayer games are always so much more interesting at least to me when there is a real sense of force cooperation among the team. Mm -hmm. That's why I found Overwatch so compelling for as long as I did, not necessarily because the gameplay, well, I think is great not to go on a tangent, but you really had to assess team role and team functionality and communication was so paramount. You could see the difference between teams that were operating at that super high level of performance and teams that were just kind of all picking randomly and doing that. So, Mm -hmm. so team dynamic would really play into it. And you might, get to a point like if you play this game a lot where you would know the other actions of your teammates so well so if that prompt flashed across screens that I need all the power right now you could be like yeah I know that's a trap I'm not doing that you know it would really <laughs> and then that might even create some interesting scenarios where you're not giving your team what they need for fear yeah, yeah of what what might happen if you do yeah that's um that's that'd be really cool I'd be personally be very interested in playing a game like this because it seems pretty unique to anything I would played before.
0: Now I always love scenarios where you're not sure whether or not you can trust the people that you're paired up with. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Especially if you don't know your squad or if you're, or, or maybe, yeah. maybe the game forces you to play with, you know, maybe only one other person. I'm not sure that might not work, but you know what I mean? Kind of matches you in pairs so you're paired up with two other people that you might not know and um that could be that could that could make for some really fun scenarios it's those it's those types of multiplayer games that i find have the longest life for me personally is when they're they're kind of challenging the norms and the perceptions of what we're used to it's not just your team deathmatch and domination and things like that um well those things have their place it's just something like this would really feed into like the potential of what could happen and the emergent storytelling and all that stuff.
0: And we're out of time there again. Again, it just flies right by. That was unbelievable. Yeah. (laughs) That's our 10 minutes. Let's close it down. Come up with a name.
1: No, (laughs) no, I don't know. Um, So I was thinking uh, it seems to be all about uh, communication and intelligence gathering and recon. Um, I like the idea of having some, some really generic military kind of name for this that, that kind of just i'm trying to think of a of a right word that that sums it up like it's it's not recon it's not in intel it's, it's um like i'm looking for a short title that's kind of like a boom like this is you get the idea of kind of what this is right away uh, but i'm not i'm kind of coming up empty any ideas on your end i was just thinking
0: like electricity con which is very bad <laughs>
1: is it is it so bad it's good or is it just so bad i think, I think it's, it's from, i mean yeah.
0: i mean the first thing that i thought of was cost powers okay which is All right. very no. very bad
1: no that's that's literally my favorite name for anything i've ever heard on the show <laughs> and i've listened to a lot of cost powers oh I, ryan i'm not joking i love that i oh i love it
0: i mean i mean if we want to use it we can but it's
1: I'm it not sure if bad. Ashen's going to be happy, but I'm very happy <laughs> with that name, Costin Powers.
0: All right, well, we can uh, we can roll with that, and uh, uh, I cost, think it'll be a oh. real surprise. People who read the episode <laughs> names first and then go into the show,
1: <laughs> Costin <and> Powers <laughs> to the spy that fragged me. Oh man, it they just keep it just keeps coming. Oh, that's great. I like it. I
0: like it. <laughs> all right um that uh that was um submitted by Ashton herman uh thank you very much, Ashton, for submitting that one that was uh actually from a while ago. We've been going a little out of order, so we appreciate you kind of hanging in there for all these months um but uh we uh we are always happy to receive pitches from both the familiar names and from entirely new names uh we love getting ideas and pitches from new people and uh maybe. Maybe Brian's appearance on the show will bring in a couple uh, new listeners. Don't mean to say a couple in a very kind of damning. Not at all. Maybe we'll bring in hundreds of new listeners.
1: Yeah. One of my, um, <laughs> I have dozens of followers, so I'm sure that I <laughs> no. I was thr- thrilled to be here. I hope, I hope that I hope that it, it is received well. So
0: of course. And if, if, anyone out there listening in the audience would like to submit a pitch, you can do so by going to playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can email us playwrightcast at gmail.com or you can tweet us at playwrightcast. Brian, thank you very much for joining us today. Is there anything that you would like to plug or draw attention to?
1: Um, not, not necessarily Ryan. I appreciate the opportunity to come on. And, um, as always, I'm, I'm I'm fortunate enough to be a contributor to Kane and rinse. And, um, so, um, listen to the Kane and rinse podcast and sound of play and all the other wonderful, uh, sausage factory and this podcast, all part of the Kane <laughs> and rinse network. Um, great. You're even doing Q's job when he's gone. Yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> uh, it's, all, it's just all it's, uh, I think that, um, the people that follow and listen to a lot of those products know that they are made mm. by people who are very passionate and very considerate. And, um, and I I'm just thrilled to be considered, um, uh, associated with the group. So, um, yeah, happy to be here and, and I'd love to love to do it again. If you ever needed another fill in.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I guess if we're, um, if we can draw attention to some uh, additional stuff on the cannabis network that we're uh, getting towards the end of the year. And I know that we didn't do anything like all that special last year, but we do have some, uh, some more, end of year stuff coming up, um, that we're preparing for now that will be very, uh, very fun, very exhausting, and, um, (laughs) it'll be, uh, quite a listen. So stay tuned for that. Both Brian and myself will be involved.
1: Yeah. Looking forward to it.
0: Uh, before we go, I should also say, uh, thank you to our, um, our faithful, (laughs) Uh musician who comes in to play the song live every single week. Um that <laughs> is a protodome uh with the uh the theme song to our podcast Hello World off of the album Blue Noise. Thank you for letting us continue to use this song. Um, it's I can't uh, believe
1: you got him to come to my house to play it this time. It's really it's nice to have him here next to me. He's been very quiet the entire show, but I think he's I just know, been especially gets, as an English gentleman. It's yeah, uh, I know he came he came not across an the pond. An easy trip to make. <laughs> yeah, across the pond and, and uh, miss
0: XO nineteen and everything.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he has he's he's been getting in the in in the right frame of mind this entire time, so I think he's ready to rock.
0: <laughs> All right, cool. Well. On the way out of the show, we like to give a miniature pitch. This is just something to chew on that we don't elaborate on further. But uh, I guess I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Do you want to give a small miniature pitch, which is usually formed by just looking around the room and coming up with something <laughs> off the top of your head? Or would you like me to?
1: Um, I've, uh, I'll leave it to you.
0: Okay. How about a game where all of your guns... Have uh, emotional problems that you have to work through <laughs> or exacerbate. Okay. <laughs> to uh, to get them to operate properly. Okay. We'll see you next week.